come in our study in the book of Romans to Romans chapter 15, beginning in verse 25. Romans 15, 25. But now I'm going to Jerusalem to minister to the saints. For it pleased those from Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor among the saints who are in Jerusalem. It pleased them indeed, and they are their debtors. For the Gentiles have been partakers of their spiritual things. Their duty is also to minister to them in material things. Therefore, when I have performed this and have sealed it to them, this fruit, I shall go by way of you to Spain. But I know that when I come to you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. Now I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in prayers to God for me, that I may be delivered from those in Judea who do not, be- <coughs> who do not believe, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, that it may come to you with joy by the will of God and may be refreshed together with you. Now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. You remember in our study so far in, in this particular chapter that, that Paul had a heart to go and to, and to visit Rome. He wanted so badly to go and to see these people that he's writing this letter to. We... We see throughout the letter just this incredible love that he has for these people. But his heart and his passion is to go to places where the gospel has not yet been preached, to the unreached people groups. And so he, he shares that here with the people and just saying, I, more than anything, I want to go where the gospel has not yet been preached, where, where nobody has heard of even the name of Christ. I want to go there. But right after saying that, we come to verse 25, and he says, but now I'm going to Jerusalem to minister to the saints. Now I'm going to Jerusalem. More than anything, I want to come see you, but I want to go to those places that the gospel has not yet been preached. But right now, I'm going to go to Jerusalem to minister to the saints. Rather than going to Spain, where I really want to go, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, which is about a thousand miles in the opposite direction. And you look and, and you, you see within the heart of Paul this incredible passion just to do the will of God for, for his life. And if, if that means going to the uttermost parts of the world, going to where Christ has never been named, then this is, everything in him wants to do that. But right now, there's something that's going to stop him from going to where Christ has not yet been named, and that is to go a thousand miles in a different direction to Jerusalem to minister to the saints. He has a heart to go there. And the reason why is because there are those that gave a contribution to the poor among the saints who are in Jerusalem. The the, the saints that are in Jerusalem had been suffering in just incredible ways. if, If... if you think of, of being a Christian there in Jerusalem and the hostility that would have come 
from the Jews at that particular time. They lost their jobs. Um, they, those that had wealth had, had taken their, their money together and had spread it amongst the people who, who were in need. But at this particular time, it, it, it would have surely been gone. Most of the funds that they had would have been eliminated. We, I mean, you look at this and, and it would be a system of, of almost communism as far as just distributing to everybody the same amount. But without the ability to continue to make funds and do it in the same way, they, they, they would have lost most everything. There's famine that has gone through the area. And so at this particular time, those that are in Jerusalem, the saints that are there have been suffering. And so Paul has been collecting a donation to go to them, a contribution to go and to minister to the saints who are in Jerusalem. Passion to do that. You see, when, when, when Paul was even called, when he was called to go and to preach the gospel, there's Peter and James and Cephas and John. Um, tells that they, he, Paul says he gave me Barnabas, the right hand of fellowship, that we should go and to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. But and then it says in Galatians 2.10, they desired only that we should remember the poor the very thing which I was eager to do. Remember the poor. It's his commissioning. Remember the poor. Remember those who, who have need. Remember them. And, and he did. For, for us who live here in the United States, um, we, we, we live in, in a country with just much affluence. Um, who you think of, of the people who have the least in this particular area and, and compared to what takes place in most of the rest of the world, the people with the least here have, have much. But at the same time, there are those who are, are poor amongst the saints here that are, are in need of help. And I, I was blessed yesterday at the men's fellowship just hearing some of the guys saying like, hey, we have the food pantry, and there's people that are needing food, and they need peanut butter, and they need, you know, and they began just to list, you know, canned fruit and, and other things where it's just, if, if you could bring these things, there's people that are coming weekly to, to get this just amongst us here as a church, and what a blessing that is. What, what a blessing to, to help someone that's just struggling right now or having a hard time and to be able to have them have food and to be able to bless them and just the joy that's coming from us as a church con- congregation saying, hey, we have a food pantry. We want to help. We want to provide. We want to be a blessing to our church. And then to go from there and say, but there's other people in other areas too where there's saints that are there that are suffering. Um, I think of, of some of the times that I've spent in South Sudan bringing food relief in. In times where, like in 1998, where the famine was worse than anything I, I, I had ever seen, I didn't know that. I didn't know that anything could be like that. I, I think of like in the 80s with Ethiopia and We Are the World and the whole calling of people to give money towards that, and seeing the pictures on TV and and then being there firsthand with the cries and the smells and the sounds and 
and seeing their faces and seeing the flies and seeing people who they, they couldn't even move and you can see every bone in their body and they're just laying there and, and one after another passing away and bringing pictures back to America and having people say, that's not happening. If that was happening, we, the United States would do something about that. You're lying. It's like, there's pictures. There's thousands of pictures like we were there. But to be able to go and to, and to give them food. Like I could picture the first man that I went and saw there that, that, that passed away. Um, being there and, and he looks up at us and we have a translator there and he just says, I'm going to live now because you guys are here to bring me food. And you can see this, this man was not doing well at all and and the doctors said, we, we do, we, we, we can bring in food and we can bring in medicine, but, but you're not, you're not going to live. And he said, no, I'm going to live now. You guys are here. You brought me food. You're bringing food. And, and they just said, no, you, you're going to go and, and it's on this day that you're going to pass away. And they just began to proclaim the gospel to him. And they said, right now what you need more than food is, just, is, is Christ to understand the gospel. And the man just listened and, and prayed to receive Christ that day, and that day went home to be with the Lord. But to think and, and to see people in circumstances like that where they're just, they have nothing, I mean nothing. Watching people eat leaves and grass, things that weren't even edible because they didn't have any food. And the joy of being able to bring food. And I have this just incredible picture in my mind of taking this like, entire village of people and in Tone, South Sudan, and like having them sit down in families. Um, and they're all sitting in groups. I mean, thousands and thousands and thousands of them. We had them all sit together as families and just scooping up food as it would come off these planes and giving them bags of maize and, and ground maize that we had brought over. And they'd sit there and we'd pray with them and we'd share the gospel with them and give it to every family. And just this incredible picture of of Christ providing, but doing it in the name of Christ and for the sake of the gospel. Um, There's something wonderful about being in a place where you're able to minister like that. I think naturally people are greedy. Um, Naturally people don't want to give. Writing a check is hard for them to do. But you see here where it's much different for these people here. It pleased those it pleased them to make a certain contribution to the poor. It pleased them. I'll just read it for you. But in, in 2 Corinthians 8, it talks about those that were there in Macedonia. And it says, Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed upon the churches of Macedonia, that in great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. For I, I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we'd receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering of the, to the saints. And, and not only as we had hoped, but they, gave, they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. Here's these people, and they, they have great trial of affliction, and yet there's this abundance of joy in their deep poverty. 
It's not like they're, they're sitting there and just like, oh, well, just tell me how much we're going to You know, it's coming out of my savings. They're in deep poverty and they're looking and saying, like, how can we give? What can we give? We want to give. We want to give. And so they give. But it's so sweet how the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write. They, they gave according to their ability, but yes, beyond their ability. And not only that, but they first gave themselves to the Lord. They first gave themselves to the Lord. It wasn't just how much. It was, I, I give myself to you, Lord. I, I want to give all of me to you. A love for Christ that brings them to a place of joyful, joyful giving. We start looking at the resources in which we have, and it's not looking at it as far as look at what I've attained, but look at what God has entrusted me with. He goes on, he says, it pleased them, in verse 27, it pleased them indeed. It pleased them indeed. And they are their debtors. For if the Gentiles have been partakers of the spiritual things, their duty is also to minister to them in material things. He's looking at their debtors. They look at it as far as this is God's people there in, in Jerusalem, those who were Jews. They've come to faith in Christ. The gospel's gone from there and has gone all throughout the world and to all different areas. And this incredible blessing has come to us from them as they have taught us and as they have sent people out. And at this time, we, we, we just joyfully give. It is our debt to them. We want to bless them. Paul, take this to them. We'll give, we'll give out of that which we don't even have. We'll give even out of our poverty. We'll give it to them. We want to bless them. I look at this and I think this is an incredible heart of where God would have us to be. In verse 28 it says, Therefore, when I've performed this and I have, had, I have sealed it to them, this fruit, I shall go by way of you to Spain. In verse 29 But I know that when I come to you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. I'm going to come to you. I want to come to you, and I'm going to come to you by way, on my way to Spain, first going to Jerusalem. But when I, I do come to you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. Remember that he doesn't know these people. He's never met them. As we read through the section and we see Paul's heart, remember he has not met them. These are Christians that are there in Rome and whom he's writing, and he's never met them. And yet you see this love for him. If you, we studied this, gosh, a couple of years ago now, but let's refresh our memories. Go back with me to Romans chapter 1 and verse 7. Romans 1, 7. To all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. Romans 1.7. Grace to you in peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all. That your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son. 
that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. I've never met you. But I've heard of what God has done there in Rome. He saved you. And, and as God is my witness, I, without ceasing, I make mention of you in my prayers. Always in my prayers. I'm praying for you. Make me request if by some means now at last I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. I just want to come see you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift so that you may be established. That is, that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. And now I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often planned to come to you, but was hindered until now, that I might have some fruit among you also, just as among the other Gentiles, I'm a debtor both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to wise and to unwise. So as much as is in me, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And so you see him writing this, and he's just, I pray for you all the time. I love you. I want to go see you. I want to... And part of spirit, some kind of spiritual gift to you that you might be established, that you might be built up, that you might be encouraged. I just want to encourage you. I want to preach the gospel to you. I want your hope to be in the gospel. I want you to be able to just hear that, that I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. The Jew first and also for the Greek. The righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. It's written, the just shall live by faith. We can live by faith in him alone. And I just can't wait to go and to be there with you and to share that. And and you see him, to be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith, both you and me. The faith that's there together. I want to be there and just be encouraged by it with you. Our faith. He's never met these people. Yet he just loves them. How much more for us as a congregation here should we be thinking like this? I want to I'm going to go to church this morning. It's raining hard, but not really right now. But it, it, it rained yesterday, and I'm still traumatized by it here in Southern California. <laughs> and I, I still I, I want to go to church to be a blessing to the people who are there, to impart some spiritual gift to them, as we'll find later on in in Romans 15, to to be a refreshment to them, to be refreshing unto them, to encourage them by our mutual faith for one another. I want to go, I want to do that. I want to come to them and, and come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. The fullness of the blessing. Go with, back with me to Romans 15 and verse 30. But now I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in prayers to God for me. Now here, Paul, I beg you. I'm writing you this letter, but now I, I beg you. 
my brothers, my family, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit and whether that is the Holy Spirit's love for us, but I I think very well it, it may be Paul's just love of the Spirit. Him loving the Spirit. That you strive together with me in prayers to God for me. That you would strive, that you would labor with me in your prayers. Would you pray for me? I beg you, pray for me. Look at this, and, and this is a man who knows God. He knows the gospel. He's so thankful for the Holy Spirit. And he goes to these saints. He says, I'm just pleading with you. Would you just please strive with me, labor with me, fight with me, wrestle with me, just in prayer. Pray for me. Would you pray for me? He gives specific things that he would want them to be praying for. That I may be delivered from those in Judea who do not believe. And that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints. Can you pray for these two things to start out? Could you pray that I'd be delivered from those in Judea who don't believe, the unbelievers that are there? And that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints. See, Paul had left and he had gone to the Gentiles and there's those that didn't like that he had gone to the Gentiles. Pray that, pray that my ministry there, my service there in Jerusalem would be acceptable to the saints. Would you pray for that? Paul didn't know exactly what was going to happen to him. He's just, he's just asking for prayer. There's some of you who come to me sometimes and just will say, like, hey, just so you know, I pray for you every day. Every day I pray for you. And that, that's such a blessing to me as, as I serve as your pastor here, as one of your pastors, to, to know, like, that there are those here who pray for me, to pray that I'm a, a blessing to my wife, and I wash her with the water of the word, and that I love her as Christ loved the church, that I'd be a good dad to my kids, that I'd, I'd place them first. Um, give me wisdom as I minister to the congregation, at the same time wisdom as I prepare sermons. I'd be faithful, that I'd be kept from sin. I, I, I beg you, just as Paul says, I beg that you would just pray for me in those areas. And that we'd be praying for one another. But he didn't know. He, he didn't know what was around the corner exactly. You see that he, he ends up leaving this place. Turn with me to Acts chapter twenty. He leaves this place, and he ends up. They're waiting on his way to go down to Jerusalem. And he calls for the elders of the church there in Ephesus in verse 17. He calls for the elders of the church there in Ephesus. And when they come to him, 
He says to them, you know from the first day that I came to Asia, in what manner I always lived among you. Serving the Lord with all humility. With many tears and trials which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews. How I, I kept back nothing that was helpful. But I proclaimed it to you. I, I taught you publicly and from house to house. Testifying to the Jews and also to the Greeks. Repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. And see, now I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem. Now I'm going to Jerusalem. This is what he's been talking about. Now, now I'm going there. I'm, I'm going to Jerusalem. Not knowing the things that will happen to me there. I don't know exactly what's going to happen. Except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy in the ministry, ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. I'm going to Jerusalem. I don't know what's going to happen, but the Holy Spirit has testified to me in every city that chains and tribulations await me, but it doesn't move me. I don't count my life dear to myself. I just... I just want to finish my race with joy. I want to finish the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus Christ to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. I just want to go and just proclaim the gospel to as many people as I possibly can proclaim it to. I'm going to Jerusalem. All I know is that chains and tribulations await me. And you look at this and maybe it was as he was writing this letter to Rome that he's saying, the Holy Spirit is testifying to me in this city too that change and tribulations await me. And so he goes to this church and just says, I beg you, pray for me. Strive together in prayer for me. And you look and you see him there. I, I assure you there were saints there in Rome that were praying for him. For him to be stuck in this little place as he's waiting to go down to Jerusalem and just saying, elders in Ephesus, can you guys pray? Change and tribulations await me. It doesn't move me, though. I don't count my life dear to myself. I want to finish my race with joy. I want to finish the ministry that Christ has given me to preach the gospel, the grace of God. And you look at just an answer to prayer even there in itself that he's just so driven, like, I don't care my, I don't count my life dear to myself. I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm about ready to go. I'm going to Jerusalem. And so he goes. Look at Acts 21, verse 10. He's there, and there's a certain prophet that comes to him, Agabus, that comes from Judea. And he comes, and he, he took Paul's belt, bound his, his own hands and feet, and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And now when he heard these things, both we and those who were in that place pleaded with him not to go to Jerusalem. Paul, don't go to Jerusalem. Don't go. And Paul answered and says, what do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. So when he would not be persuaded, they ceased saying, and they see saying, the will of the Lord be done. And after those days, we packed 
and went up to Jerusalem. He's there and they're just begging him. The prophet just came and just said, this is, you know, here's the belt, tie the hands. And he's just saying, why, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I'm not only ready to be bound, but also to die. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to even die there. Look at chapter 21 and verse 27. I encourage you to read the whole rest of Acts, but we don't have time right now. In Acts 21 and verse 27, it says, Now when the seven days were almost ended, the Jews from Asia, seeing him in the temple, stirred up the whole crowd and laid hands on him, crying out, Men of Israel, help! This is the man who teaches all men everywhere against the people and the law in this place. And furthermore, he's also brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled this holy place. And verse 30 says, And all the city was disturbed, and the people ran together. They seized Paul and dragged him out of the temple. And immediately the doors were shut. And now as they were seeking to kill him, news came to the commander of the garrison that all Jerusalem was in an uproar. And he immediately took soldiers and centurions and ran down to them. And when he saw the commander and the soldiers when they saw the commander and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. So here Paul's saying, I beg you guys, just pray for me. Pray that I might be delivered there in Judea who don't believe. Here there's, there's these, these Christians that are just praying for him, striving with him in prayer, not knowing what was going to happen, but what ended up happening is he's there and he's just getting pounded on He's pulled out of the temple. He's falsely accused. And they're just pounding on him. They're beating him. They want to kill him. Everything in them wants to kill him. And here comes the commander. And here comes the centurions. And there's all these soldiers. And they're coming. When they came, they stopped beating Paul. Then the commander came near in verse 33 and took him and commanded him to be bound with two chains. And he asked who he was who, who he was and what he had done. And some among the multitude cried one thing and some another. So when he could not ascertain the truth because of the tumult, he, he commanded him to be taken into the barracks. And when he reached the stairs, he had to be carried by the soldiers because of the violence of the mob. For the multitude of the people followed after, crying out, away with him. I mean, they want to kill him more than anything. These guys, I mean, they just, they hate him. And here he's there, and God just takes this commander and the satyrians. They run down. They get him. They even carry him because the people there, the mob, the violence, all of them, they all want to kill him. Look at chapter 22 and verse 19. Um, they just finished talking about how it is that Saul got saved and became Paul. And so he says, so I said, Lord, they know that in every synagogue I imprison and beat those who believe on you. And when the blood of, of, of your martyr Stephen was shed, I also was standing by consenting to his death and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. And then he said to me, depart, for I will send you far from here to the Gentiles. And they listened to him until this word. And then they raised their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth. 
for he is not fit to live. And then they cried out and tore off their clothes and threw dust into the air. And the commander ordered him to be brought into the barracks and said that he should be examined under scourging so that they might know why they shouted so against him. And as they bound him with thongs, Paul said to the centurion who stood by, is it lawful for you to scourge a man who is a Roman and uncondemned? And so you look at this and they're just, they're so mad. He's not fit to live. And so the centurion says, let's, let's just whip him. Let's whip him over and over again. We'll whip him. And we'll see why it is that they're saying these things against him. Let's whip him. And Paul's being whipped and he just says, is it lawful for you to discourage a man who's a Roman? Who's uncondemned? And everything stops. You're a Roman? You're a Roman citizen? And you see this whole process of God using that to take him to a place in which he'd go before other kings and other leaders and all that's taking place. Paul goes before these councils. He goes before these people. And he's there and he's just, he's there in Jerusalem just being thrashed by the people. But God's making ways for him to escape. The commander, the centurion, him saying, is it lawful for you to do this to a Roman? Because he had become a Roman citizen earlier by paying a, a, a hefty amount of money to, to become that and God orchestrating all of it. Even, I'm a Pharisee. And watching the way the Pharisees go and listen and the Sadducees are there and they're listening to all these things. God is making ways of escape for him all over the place. And yet Paul wrote way before, I beg you, pray for me. I was begging you, pray for me. Strive with me in prayer. Look at Acts 23, 1. And then Paul looked earnestly at the council and said, Men and brethren, I lived in all good conscience before God until this day. Acts 23, 1. And then Paul said to him, So so here Ananias commanded that those who stood by him strike him on the mouth. I like this. Paul says to him, God will strike you, you whitewashed wall. For you sit to judge me according to the law, and do not command me to be. And do you command me to be struck contrary to the law? And those who stood by said, um, "Do you revel God's high priest?" And the Paul said, "I didn't know, brethren, that he was the high priest. For it's written, you shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people.' I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I called you a whitewashed wall. <laughs> I didn't know who you were." But you just see humility that's there. Later, he says, I, I, came, I, I came just bringing alms. I came bringing a gift. I came here to bring a gift. I encourage you to read the rest of the book of Acts and just see section after section of the way in which God was rescuing him giving him opportunities to proclaim the gospel. This is what happened. I was going and I was fighting against all the people. I was persecuting them. I was following them from city to city. I wanted to put them all to death. I did this and then God struck me to the ground and said, Saul, Saul, why you persecuted me? And this is what he did. And he appeared before me and he shared the gospel with me. And I was able to see that this is what the prophets had taught. This is what the law had taught. This is what 
all those in Israel were looking forward to. And now this is what God has done. And he goes through and he just starts preaching the gospel to everybody as he's there in Jerusalem, even as he's there being beaten, even as he's there being questioned, even as there's these people that are hating him, that want to kill him. The gospel continues to go forward. We see him get into a boat to head towards Rome because he had called to come before Caesar and he's going, he's telling the people the boat's going to crash and we're all going to die and this is, uh, we're going to lose everything. And then he says, well, God's revealed to me now that the boat is going to crash, but we're not going to die. Just listen to me, listen to me, listen to what I'm saying. And just everything happens exactly the way that he says to where the people there are hearing the very words of God to where they believe, they hear his testimony. He's witnessing to them all the way through. Then you come to Acts 28. You remember that Paul wanted to get to Rome. (laughs) He gets there, but not the way that he intended. He spent a couple years in prison there in Jerusalem. All that went through, but now he's at the end of Acts coming to, to Rome, just as he had wanted to do. Verse 16 of Acts 28. Now when he came to Rome, the centurion delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard. But Paul was permitted to dwell by himself with the soldier who guarded him. And it came to pass after three days that Paul called the leaders of the Jews together. And so when they had come together, he said to them, Men and brethren, though I have done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. And now when they had examined him, who when they had examined me, wanted to let me go because there was no cause for putting me to death. But when the Jews spoke against it, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, not that I had anything of which to accuse my nation. For this reason, therefore, I have called for you to, to see you, to speak with you, because for the hope of Israel, I am bound with this chain. And when they, then they said to him, we neither receive letters from Judea concerning you, nor have any of the brethren who came re- reported or spoken any evil of you. But we desire to hear from you what you think. For concerning this sect, we know that it is spoken against everywhere. So when he had appointed him a day, many came to him at his lodging, to whom he explained and solemnly testified of the kingdom of God, persuaded them concerning Jesus and both the law of Moses and the prophets from morning till evening. He's just explaining to them the gospel one after another as he's there in Rome. And some were persuaded by the things which were spoken and some disbelieved. You look down and and it says in verse 29, and when he had said these words, the Jews departed and had a great dispute among themselves. And then Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house and received all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concerned the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no one forbidding him. This is amazing. He gets to Rome, he gets his own house for two years and he is... People just come to him and he just explains the gospel with all confidence. No one's forbidding him. He just proclaims the gospel as he's there in Rome. And so you look back to Romans chapter 15 and it closes this chapter by saying, after he says, I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in prayers to God for me, that I may be delivered from those in Judea who do not believe. Was he delivered from them? Yeah, absolutely. And that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints. Was it? Yeah. Absolutely. They were so thankful. 
and that I may come to you with joy by the will of God. Did he come to them by joy, with joy? Absolutely. He gets off that boat. All that's taken place, the centurion's there protecting him, taking him. He comes with joy. How? By the will of God. All the things that happened, it didn't come by his own doing. It came totally and completely by the will of God. It may be refreshed together with you. Was he refreshed? Yeah, absolutely he was. Incredibly refreshed. He's there ministering to the people, being ministered to, having their gifts ministered to him and his gifts ministering to them and just refreshed. And now may the God of peace be with you all. Amen. May we be in a refreshment to one another, encouraging one another with the gifts that God has given us, with the mutual faith in which we have, encouraging one another with that faith. May we be a refreshment to one another when you walk through the doors of this church and when you get messages on your computer and when you get phone calls and when you go out to lunch. May we be a refreshment to one another, but may we also strive with one another in prayer. Strive with one another. Pray. We don't know what's around the corner. We don't know what the next turn looks like, but God does. Paul didn't know, but he said, I beg you, pray for me. And when we look at the story of what happened, praise God that there was people praying for him and just seeing the faithfulness of God working all of these things out for his purposes. Incredible section of scripture as you see Paul's love for this church and their love for him and the faithful working together of striving together with prayer, refreshment, all in accordance with the will of God. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for this section of Scripture. May we be a refreshment to one another. May we refresh one another, encourage one another. May we strive together in prayer for one another. May we have a longing to see one another, and may we have hearts that desire to joyfully give. Cause us to become more and more like you as we read your word and as your Holy Spirit works in our hearts. We thank you, Lord, that you took a man who was the chief of all sinners, as Paul talked about himself, and you took him and you saved him, and you used even incredibly difficult circumstances in his life to cause the gospel to go forward and for your name to be declared, for the saints to be built up. Please do that in each and every one of our hearts. Use us, use our circumstances, use all that is taking place, and by the will of God, By the will of you, Lord, may it be used for the furtherance of the gospel. May we fulfill the ministry in which you call us to do. May we not count our lives dear to ourselves, but may we finish the race that you've given us with joy, testifying to the gospel of the grace of God. Please do that, Lord, in our hearts. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.